0: the Wells is going to bring our special.
1: He started over again And I bless the day He didn't throw Bolded in His image, He wants me to stay. But when I stumble and I fall, and my vessel breaks, He just picks up the pieces, He doesn't throw the clay away. Over and over he molds me and makes me, into his likeness he fashions.
0: Me to Mark Chapter Eleven uh, to start off this morning. I just want to brag a little bit. Uh, we went to AYC with a group of students yesterday, and Russell got so out of his comfort zone, he moved pews this morning. Uh, and but we had we had a great time, and I, I just want to share something with you. I think is amazing. I shared it with the men this morning in men's meeting over yesterday. Marked the twentieth anniversary for AYC uh, Arkansas Youth Conference and. Um, over the last twenty years, uh, Arkansas Youth Conference has given one hundred and sixty thousand dollars to missionaries, uh, and that—that's our kids, our our Arkansas youth kids are doing that. And yesterday, above that one hundred and sixty thousand, yesterday the offering that went to missionaries was twenty seven thousand uh, dollars, and I, I just that is awesome to me that our youth were able to do that. And, and what a testament that is that, uh, that even the smallest of child, uh, can come and, and come before the Lord and give just of what they have and make a huge difference. If you will, stand with me this morning as we read Mark chapter 11. We're going to start off in verse 11. It says, And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple, and when he had looked round about upon all things, And now the evening tide was come, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Now, if you will, skip over to verse 20. We're going to read kind of the end of this story. Verse 20, it says, And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. Let's bow. Dear Lord, thank You so much for allowing us to be here. Thank You for giving us this text this morning. Help us to dig into this this morning and grab something that will apply to our lives so that we can follow and be a disciple of You in such a better way and to communicate to the world around us that You are Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of sins. Lord, just thank You so much for Your love and Your kindness in giving us Jesus Christ to die for our sins and to give us life forever after. In Your name I pray, Amen. The first thing I want to look at here is, is this command to have faith. Jesus tells Peter, He says, Have faith. And and that's a direct command to him. The story uh here of this fig tree seems to be just a very simple story. I mean, Jesus walks up to a fig tree, it's not producing at that time, so Jesus uh curses it, and then all of a sudden the, the next time they pass by it, Peter sees it, he sees it withered up, and he, he just questions that wow, how you know, how could you do that, Jesus? How did that happen? Uh So Jesus says, have faith. So Jesus tells them the one thing they needed to hear, and that was have faith. You would have thought that the disciples would have knew something by now. If you go back and you just look at, at this point of Jesus' ministry, uh, just in the book of Luke, okay, I'm not, or, I'm sorry, in the book of Mark, and you don't look anywhere else but in the book of Mark up to this chapter, you can see Jesus has cast out unclean spirits, uh, people have been healed of, of numerous diseases, including those diseases that had no cure yet. Jesus was still healing those people. Jesus has taken the lame and He's given them healing. Jairus' daughter has been raised to life in one passage. Jesus had even given the disciples the power to go out and perform those same acts before this event. Uh, And and that's in chapter 6. And Jesus fed 5,000 with just two fish and five loaves of bread. Jesus walks on water. Jesus uh, even brings water, uh, Peter out on the water with him. Jesus has given hearing to the deaf. Uh, Jesus feeds another multitude with seven loaves and just a few fish just to make sure the disciples got the first one. You know, he did it again. And then he also has given the blind sight of... Uh, In chapter 9, a few disciples saw Jesus, uh, transfigured, okay, and just this holy, righteous body of Jesus, and, and saw Moses and Elias, just an awesome sight, and Peter was there at that event too. And after all these things, Peter can't believe Jesus did this miracle. You know, as I, as I got to thinking of that, man, Peter would have flipped out over a bottle of Roundup. I right. I mean that would have just been crazy. But Jesus here he he does this what seems to be such a simple miracle compared to these other granders and still Peter has this wow about him. He has he this this doubt about him that wow Jesus you really did this. And, and it disturbs me that in light of all this, the disciples, uh, and, and, specifically Peter seemed to be astonished that Jesus was able to do such a simple miracle. But that's so us today. We can go back through our lives and we can see God handle things in our lives. We can even look back and see and Give testimonies of how Jesus has brought us through and He's worked things together for us. And we can even uh, tell people of other people's testimonies, how God worked in their life and how He took the promise and seemingly made them vanish away. But as soon as we are confronted with a new problem, it's like none of that matters and we come to this point of doubt that Jesus can handle it. You ever been there? I have. And it's so much like the Apostle Peter here. It's so much that we, we look at the rest of the book of Mark and what precedes this, and we see God doing amazing things through Jesus. And then one little simple thing that Peter sees, where is his faith? And Jesus just answers in the most plainest sentence. He says, have faith in God. You see, when my day runs out and when the troubles of this life are overshadow me, I need to have faith in the one true God who can work it all out. And I need to have faith in Him that, that He is the one true God. You know, the same message Jesus was telling Peter and these disciples was the command that He is trying to speak into our lives today, and it is have faith. But I want to go back to our text because in the middle of this text, and you may remember as we read it, we seem to skip a few verses, and, and we're going to dive into that text just for a moment. And this this passage that we're going to dive into, it's when Jesus goes into the temple and He's he's pretty upset and He starts throwing tables and He starts getting all the money changers out of the temple and He does some seemingly crazy things and you think, why is this in the middle of our text? And I just want to tell you before we read that, I don't think that's per chance. I don't think that was haphazardly. Jesus just did this right in the middle. No, I think Jesus is trying to prove one solitary point through the whole event. If you will, go back in, uh, in our text to Mark chapter 11, verse 15. And he says, "...and they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple, and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers, and the seats of them that sold doves, and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, "...is it not written, My house shall be called of the nations the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves." And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him because of all the people was astonished at his doctrine. And when even was come, he went out of the city. Now I want to explain this and some of you, you say, well, that really doesn't fit into the context. I know it's a little, it's a little tough. And a lot of times we love this passage. We'll go to this passage and, and, you know, try to, Tell people, well, you're not supposed to sell things in the church and all of that. And, and, and yeah, you could go that way with it. But I'm, not, I'm just going to give you my opinion. I, Jesus said they were robbers and thieves. Okay? And that's that's the point there. These people in the temple were were doing things and they were puppet masters for the government. And, and they were causing trouble in Jesus' temple or, or the temple that they worshipped God in. And that was the issue. Sin was in the camp kind of thing. Okay, But if you go to this and you look at verse 16, I want to focus in on this verse so hard. And you say, well, this, what does that mean? I'm going to tell you. In verse 16 it says, And would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. You see, what Jesus literally did here is He shut the temple down. You see, because any kind of sacrifice required a vessel. You see, whenever they dressed the animal to place it on the sacrifice, they had to take a vessel and pour all the blood into that vessel and take it on the sacrifice and pour it over that beast. And then they had other kind of offerings where they would offer incense to the Lord and they would take a vessel and they would pour it on that altar. And any kind of sacrifice required a vessel. And what what does the Scripture say? That day... He would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. He shut it down. You say, Well, Trey, why is that so important? You see, temple worship was not the way they would find favor with God. The people here in this scene, they they turned they they turned this place into a worship place of just thieves and robbers. We could spend the whole message talking about that. And we could spend a whole nother message talking about what Jesus did that day. But the plain and simple truth here is Jesus was telling those people at the temple the same thing He was telling Peter. It's about faith now. You're not going to work your way. You're not going to do anything to find favor with God. But having faith is where it's all going to begin. The Scripture says He would not allow any vessel to go through. Jesus not only went into the temple that day starting to correct people, but Jesus shut the worship down and plainly pointed them towards faith. This is so very important to our context because you look at it, and these people for years and years and years had been doing this. And in one day, the man who had all authority walks in and shuts that down. Hebrews 10 gives us a little more uh, detail to this. In Hebrews 10 and verse 9, it says, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and or once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice which can never take away sin. Jesus could. You see, what they were doing in that temple could never take away the sins, but there stood in the midst of that temple the very man who could. He could take away their sins. And you go just a little further in Hebrews 11, and I love this. Hebrews 11 and verse 6, probably a very familiar Scripture with you. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Without faith, nothing else matters. And that's what Jesus, the statement Jesus made in that temple that day, is none of this matters if there is no faith. You see, not only was there this great command to have faith, but we need to evaluate the one who commissioned this faith, the commissioner of this faith. In verse 22 of our text, Mark 11, in verse 22, it says, And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. And, and I love this word commissioner. The reason I picked it, picked it for my outline is not because it alliterated all the way through, but because commissioner uh, is a, a representative of the supreme authority. And Jesus Christ was here as a representation of who God was. And not only was He a representation, but He was God. He was God in the flesh. And it seems that Jesus, as He does this miracle with the fig tree, it seems that Jesus should have said, have faith in Me. But no, he points it back to God. He says, have faith in God. Why would he do that? You see, realizing that there is a God is not enough. There's a lot of people here, uh, not necessarily here today, but here in this world today, that realize, yes, there is a supreme authority. But that's not enough. We can realize that God exists and still be lost as a goose. The context of chapter 11, we see Jesus' triumphal entry at the beginning of chapter 11. He, he parades, so to speak, into this town, Jerusalem, and, and He's riding on a colt and people are throwing palm branches and all this. And what they recognize is Jesus would someday be a king. But even that was not enough. You see, it's not enough just to know that there's a God. It's not enough to know that someday Jesus will be a king. But this is what Jesus was directing Peter and the rest of the disciples to, is they must realize that Jesus is the Son of God. And He is God in the flesh. Peter, he had walked on water with Jesus. He began to sink and Jesus Stretched out his hand, reached him, reached down and picked him up. He defied the laws of nature altogether at that moment. Peter in Mark chapter 9, if you recall, he was allowed to see this transfiguration of Jesus where God spoke and said, this is my son. And after all that, Peter looks at a little old withered fig tree. And his faith is diminished. Jesus was reminding Peter, He is God in the flesh. The Jesus I speak of this morning is not just some man that came and lived a good life and died and so on. Jesus was God. And because of that, not only was He good, but He was perfect. And not only did He live and He die, but He rose and still lives today. He is Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. Philippians chapter 2 says it this way in Paul's writing. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6 says, Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man, and being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He is Emmanuel, and He still is Emmanuel today. Matthew 28, 20. You can see it on the board, but I'm not going to go there. He says, Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Jesus Christ is God with us today. And we need to remember that He is still here. And when we do face trouble in our lives, we need to realize that yes, we're praying to Jesus, but we're praying to the God who created this world. We're praying to the God who created the planets and the stars, and He created you. Jesus is God, and that makes an eternal difference on our lives. Not only do we need to look at the command to have faith and, and not only do we need to look at the commissioner and Jesus and who He is, but we should allow that faith to change our conduct. The conduct of the faithful, uh, if you read these verses here in verse 23 through 25, Jesus says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have ought against any, that our Father, also which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. You see, if we're commanded to have faith, we need to show that we have it. We believe that through Jesus Christ, we have a relationship with God the Father, and these are the real Beings that we need to communicate. They're not just some fantasy out there that God exists and that His Son Jesus Christ is alive and well. No, these aren't imaginary friends. These are real people, real God and a real being. We need to talk to them. We need to talk to them like they exist. We need to pray to, to the Lord as if He can fix the problem. We need to pray to the Lord as if He is alive and working in our lives. We need to show our faith through prayer, but who's looking? I don't mean that we need to stand up in the midst of this congregation and start to pray to show our faith. That's not what I'm talking about, and I believe that to say faith demonstrates, or I'm sorry, prayer demonstrates our faith, uh, by making a spectacle of yourself, I believe the Bible teaches against that. But if you will, turn with me over to Luke. Luke chapter 18. I want to show you what I am talking about because Jesus Himself said it. I've got a great message here in Luke 18. It's called uh, The Message on the Nagging Woman. Verse 18, it says, And He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying there was a city a judge uh, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man, and there was a widow in the city, and she came unto him saying, Avenge me of mine adversary, and he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her." Lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him though he bear long with them? Listen to this last verse, verse eight. I tell you that he will avenge them which speedily, them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man cometh, Shall he find faith on the earth? Prayer is a way to show Jesus Christ that you have faith in Him. Prayer is a way that we can seek Him and show Him that we truly believe that He is real and He is an almighty God and He can fix the problems of little old me. But not only is prayer evidence of our faith towards Christ, but also, let's look at the next thing in our passage, verse 26 and 27. I'm sorry, 25 and 26. And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespass. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespass. Two verses I want to go to because I don't want to make this about what Trace says. I want to make this what Scripture says. Colossians 3 and verse 13. Colossians 3 and verse 13. What does it say? Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Ephesians 4 and verse 32. Ephesians 4 and 32 says it this way. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Why do we forgive? Because we've been forgiven. If you believe this morning that Jesus Christ has forgiven you from your sins, you ought to be willing to forgive others. Well, if We are forgiven and we honestly believe that we should more than willing forgive others because we know that one day we will stand before the Lord and we will have that great opportunity because one man came to this earth. He died on a cross for the forgiveness of our sin debt something that I could not pay, something that I could not go in the temple and offer sacrifices daily for. And that's not what it was about. It was about faith in the One who could take away the sins of the world. And if we truly believe that and we know that one day we will see our forgiveness in full focus as we have the opportunity, undeservingly, to be with my Savior in a place called heaven, reaping the benefits of that forgiveness with all the faith and hope that we have in that, we should be able to forgive those around us daily. So I want to ask you this morning as our musicians come for a hymn of invitation, do you have faith And I don't mean just faith that tomorrow will come. I mean faith in the one true Son of God who died on the cross for your sins. If you're here this morning and you have that faith, it's time to start living it. Praying to the one who can change the circumstances and forgiving those around
2: you because you've seen and tasted what forgiveness is like.